The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. When I got my Keurig Brewer, I loved it so much I decided to name it. The right name had to fit my many sides, from the bold dark roast side to the soft herbal tea side. I landed on Freddy. Yeah, Freddy. It works for me. Who doesn't love their Keurig Brewer? It can brew the perfect cup of coffee, tea, and hot cocoa with just the touch of a button. All without a fuss and so little mess or cleanup. With over 250 varieties to choose from, it's no wonder people actually name their Keurig Brewers. Visit Keurig.com for more info. about to inspire you with the stories of real people. Welcome to A Current Life with your host, Jimmy Gould. In the next hour, you will meet one of the most interesting and successful people in the world. Listen as Jimmy gets their real story of success, both the highs and the lows. We hope that you take with you some of the ideas we will share today and embrace your own journey. Now, here's Jimmy. Welcome to another edition of A Current Life. I'm your host, Jimmy Gould, and I'm very excited and honored to introduce to you my very special guest, J.R. Sweezy. J.R., welcome to A Current Life. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I'm very happy to have you on the show. Uh, J.R. Sweezy is an American football offensive guard for the champion Seattle Seahawks of the National Football League. Uh, Basically, he played defensive tackle at North Carolina State, was drafted, and came in as an offensive guard for the Seattle Seahawks and just got done winning the Super Bowl. I happen to represent Jr. and uh, he's had quite a, an adventure over these last two years, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about his experience at the Super Bowl and a lot about his journey to uh, kind of where he came from and the things that he went through getting where he is today. So, Jr., this show is about life's journey and the ups and downs that we all experience and overcome to get where each of us is meant to be. So on that note, I'd kind of like to start with your early years and ask you, uh, where were you born and what life was like as a young child growing up? I was born in a small town in North Carolina. It's uh, Mooresville, North Carolina. It's right near, uh, right near Charlotte. Small town, you know, everybody knows everybody. Uh, really close-knit family, really close-knit family still to this day. Uh, really good upbringing. Just, uh, yeah. What, what were your, some of your fondest memories as a child and maybe one of the characteristics that would have, maybe if we knew you then, we would have been able to say, wow, he's going to go play in the NFL and win the Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, this, uh, I don't know. I don't know an exact story. But uh, some of my best memories with my family is out. There's a lake in, uh, right outside the town. And uh, we'd go there on summer summer uh, weekends, and we'd spend all day out there with the family. And, and that that was really a, a time where where I remember like just just having fun as a kid and just spending time with the family. Did you play sports growing up in in school? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I uh, football, of course. Uh, basketball when I was younger, and then when I got to seventh grade, I started wrestling, which was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. Uh, mm. I really think that benefited me as a football player 
and uh, also baseball a little bit here and there. But the main two were were uh, football and wrestling. Well, I know your parents and they're lovely people. Maybe you could give us a little bit, a little bit of what it was like. Uh, your relationship with them and kind of some of the things you took away from, you know, from their involvement with you as your parents. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I give them a lot of credit, a lot of credit for the person I am today and the, and the things they instilled in me to make me the man I am today. And, uh, you know, for my dad example, he, uh, he's the hardest working man in America, hands down. He's worked for everything that he's, that he has, that he owns. He uh, came from nothing and, uh, he lives a good life now. Uh, very comfortable life. You know, he, he still works hard every day, but uh, he really instilled my work ethic in me. And uh, just just going through back stories, you know, I, I remember after peewee football practice, my mom's probably going to get mad for saying this story. <laughs> uh, after uh, peewee football practice, you know, I'm, I'm six, seven, eight years old. Uh, we'd come home and, and do extra conditioning. Wow. Because... because uh, he, he just he wanted me to be the best, and, and, and I did too, you know, and, and at the time, I didn't understand it. I was too young, but now looking back on it, that's, that's what he instilled in me to, to work so hard, and, and the hard work will pay off. And, uh, yeah, so that, I really believe that's where I get my uh, work ethic from. You know, it, it's hard because I'm a father of two boys, and you know that, of course, and, and yeah. it, it sometimes feel like my boys don't listen to what I have to tell them, even though they'll ask me, what I think about something, and then I'll give an answer, and then they argue with me, and I go, well, "Why'd you ask me the question?" Was <laughs> was you know in a in a way I think, and obviously uh, you have such a, a great relationship, you know, with w- you know in, in your life with so many people, and particularly with your significant other that we'll talk about in a little bit. But the uh, you know it, it, you really do have to develop a trust level, don't you, so that you yeah. know who to listen to and who's got your best interests at heart. And I know when I met you and your family, I could see that very close-knit family that you had. And it, I think it's been one of the one of the important factors, quite frankly, in, in being a, a professional athlete. I mean, you're in an elite group. There's 53 players on a team. There's 32 teams. So if you take the whole population of America, you're certainly in an elite category with 1,600 players. So you must feel they must be very proud of you, number one. And number two, you must you know, feel a great sense of, of, of trust in them and, 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 you know, being raised by them in the way you were and being taught the work ethic. Because I have represented over 110 players in the league, but I've met very few with the work ethic that you have. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And then, and then on my mom's side, you know, uh, she has this amazing drive. Uh, not, not so much physically, but, but mentally. Uh, she's always, always doing something to better somebody. And, and she always puts people before herself. And, uh, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have played college football if it wasn't for her. She, she's the reason I got recruited. Uh, and I, I was the first person in 20-some-odd years to, to go to college for my high school. And uh, she, she's the one that, you know, put the film together and sent it out and got all into it. And she, she's the reason that uh, I played college football. So, like, it, that's a great example of her putting herself before putting me before her and uh, just her drive. And, I, and that, that really instills in me, too. I, I really credit them with those two main things of what they taught me growing up. Well, you know, I have great respect for them. And Susan, your mother, has certainly kept me on my toes. I sometimes 
thought of offering her a job as a co-agent in this thing because you know she is so thorough in her research and and wanted to know everything and I really commend that and and it's it's been an interesting thing. Let me ask you, what do you think if you if I asked you who your favorite hero was growing up, who would you say that was? Um, now we are we talking NFL or are we talking just 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 in uh, life? More about life. life. We'll get to the football later, but more about okay. life. Uh, kind of thing uh you know i i wouldn't just narrow it down to one person i, I would it, once again it, it's it's people in my family and i i look up to each person differently in different ways because of things they've taught me uh you know and and mom and dad being two of the biggest ones but also my grandfather uh my dad's dad my Pepal roger he uh we seem to relate really well to each other he, he played college football at the same place i played nc state and, uh, you know, had a tough life, and, and, you know, he just keeps trucking, and, and we've just always really got along uh, on a different level and uh, just always looked up to him just because of, you know, who he is, and, and I respect him. And, but, but then again, I, I can't narrow it down to one person because every, my, everybody in my family is so supportive, and I look up to him in each a different way. You know, I, I could say that they're all my heroes, you know, so it, it's kind of hard to narrow it down to just one. Well, you know, for our listeners, I mean, you know, you're – I've noticed one trait about you is that, you know, you receive compliments and you say thank you, but I know how hard you are on yourself. And so if it, you really strive for perfection and, and, and I've noticed that about you and that you're not, you're never going to be satisfied unless you do every play and perform exactly the way it's supposed to be done. And I think that is one of the things clearly that that I've seen about you and the coaches have seen about you and that your teammates have seen about you. And I'm curious, uh, I think you would agree with that. And secondly, uh, and one, if you do agree with that, and two, where did that come from? Because that's a drive that's very special. I mean, you know, it, it, it just doesn't exist in everybody. Yeah, you know, I, I put a lot of thought into it, and I, I know it came from from my parents, you know, them driving me to to be better, to to go the extra mile, but then it got to a point where it came to me and, uh, you know, I, I sat down and thought about it to myself and, and I just wanted, I am a type of perfectionist in some ways. And I think that, you know, that's the reason why I'm like that. And I am hard on myself and I, I just believe that I could, I could do better when I mess up. You know, I, I just don't believe that I, I don't want to mess up ever. You know, I, I am a perfectionist. I want to do it right all the time. And it's, somewhat unrealistic but that's the standard i hold myself to do you feel it puts added pressure on you uh no because uh when i'm out there i'm not thinking about being perfect i'm thinking mm-hmm. about going fast and being physical <laughs> yeah it moves but, quick does it? it moves really quickly doesn't it yeah yeah if you think you're probably messing up out there so it, <laughs> it's pretty much all reaction when you're out there what uh as you look back is there one moment in your growing up that was the toughest moment you experienced, and how'd you overcome that? Okay. Um, in college, I got into a little bit of trouble, and uh, I was somewhat lost. You know, I didn't really know who I was. It was, it was in the younger years of college, you know, sophomore year, somewhere around there. And, uh, yeah, I was, just, I was just, I guess, lost. You know, I didn't really know who I was. I was trying to figure it out. I had, had some temper problems, and, and uh, I didn't really quite know how to uh, to get it out and express it other than getting angry and and it got it got me into trouble obviously and uh it was really hard the hardest part was seeing you know my family you know 
people talking about this and that in the papers, you know, talking bad about the family. And then it made me realize, you know, if I want to pursue this as a career, if I want to do this for the rest of my life, I have to make a change. I have to be, I have to grow up. I have to be a man. And, uh, you know, looking back on it now, it's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because it made me grow up. And I don't know if I would have, if I wouldn't have gotten into that trouble. And uh, just through the support of all my family, you know, I wouldn't be able to get through it without them. Well, uh, I, I and, completely agree with that because I think that the adversity that comes from those types of things are blessings. They they certainly don't look like it when they're happening, and they certainly yeah. are painful. But, boy, do you learn a lot. In fact, you would probably agree with me that you learn more from your losses than you do from your victories. I agree. I agree, and they stick with you longer. Those are the ones you remember, the losses. And you, and you don't want to repeat them, and so you, you do the analysis of it, and I'm sure, you know, look, I, I've never met anybody that's worth anything that hasn't had a problem or two in their life and hasn't been faced with those moments of anxiety and how am I going to get through this, and, you know, and, and everybody has a different method. They have family support. They have God. They have different things, but at the end of the day, it does really come down to you, you know, being able to persevere through it and and taking the lesson away with it. And I think what I've noticed about you, and, and, it's, and if I haven't told you, it's a great honor to represent you because of, of your character and of your integrity. And, you know, there's not a lot of that in the league. I mean, honestly, I've said this before. You know, it exists, but it exists in rare form. And, and I think what makes a great team, which is where I think Seattle really did a great job and Pete did a great job with you and the coaches did a great job, was creating the chemistry on the team that you all came together. You don't have to have everybody be the best at their position, but you have to work together as a unit. And I think in life, it's the same principle. Don't you agree? I do agree. I do agree. And adversity is inevitable. It's going to happen. It's how you react to it shows you the type of person that you are. Well, I, you know, I was, I was thinking a lot about, you know, uh, our experience together, and, and, and I was at the Super Bowl sitting on the 50-yard line, and I watched you all come together in your huddle kind of before the game, and I, I, it, it, just, it just was an interesting feeling because, and I know we're going to talk a lot more about this, the, the Super Bowl, but I do want our listeners, and this show goes into 180 countries, and I do want our listeners to know that uh, it may have occurred in certain positions offensively or maybe a quarterback becoming a wide receiver, maybe becoming a defensive back, but I can't recall, and maybe you can, a player ever being drafted who never played that position and switched sides of the ball from it being a defensive tackle to a offensive guard. And I remember that when the call came in at my house that, that day, uh, what was going through your mind, number one? And number two, obviously, you've, in my opinion, changed that position and will continue to change that position. And it's really worked out, and, and it's, it's really been incredible. So what was going through your mind at that time? Uh, you know, I just wanted an opportunity to show, to show what I could do. And, that, and I didn't care what position it was at, what team it was with. But, you know, luckily I, I got drafted by the best team in the league, uh, the Seahawks, and, and they have great, great people working for them, and they, they pick up people that they see certain things in. And uh, like you said, it makes us all relate in a way. So, so going back to what you asked, I just wanted an opportunity, a chance to show what I could do. And, uh, you know, I, I 
came in with an open mind, and uh, I took in everything they told me and tried to perfect it. And uh, I couldn't have done it without my coach. You know, Tom Cable is the best offensive offensive line coach in the league. You know, he he he's really a big part of it. But like I said, I just want an opportunity, and I I'm, want to make the best out of it. I think in some ways the challenge of switching those positions and having a coach like that and taking on the added responsibility of learning an entirely different you know, part of the, of the game, not that you didn't know it before, but playing it that way, maybe really fit your drive and your personality. And maybe that's really what Tom saw and Pete saw and the, and the group saw, and that, that really motivated you, not motivated you, but it really you know, challenged you even greater, which gave you a, kind of a special thing. I mean, so many people go in and they're doing the same thing they've been doing for their whole life, and then here you're coming into a, an elite situation, a tough situation, a competitive situation, and having to learn a whole new position. I mean, do you think in a way that, that helped you kind of differentiate you from the rest of the group? Um, yeah, you know, I've never really looked at it that way. Like I said, I, I came in with a completely open mind, and I told myself, whatever they tell me to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to re- recreate everything that they tell me to do. And the good thing was I came in with no bad habits. I was a blank slate. So whatever he taught me is what I know. So wow. that, that was one good thing from it. And the funny thing is, you know, my dad's been saying I should have been playing offensive line since <laughs> since I can remember. I mean, <laughs> grade school, middle school, high school. And I was like, no, no, I, I want to play this, you know. And now I'm an offensive lineman in the NFL. It's just we give each other a hard time about it all the time. It's pretty funny. Well, you got to tell your dad he's a visionary, then, you know, right? <laughs> no, so uh, he, he we, we don't know. Maybe he called Tom on the, in the behind our back and, and yeah. gave him the idea. Um, <laughs> l- l- let me ask you this question: Going through college, how did you balance your schoolwork with your athletics? Was it difficult for you? You know, how did you kind of get through some of that time? Because I assume playing college sports, and I have a son that's about to play college basketball, it's a it's a big deal. I mean, you know, obviously you went to North Carolina State, you know, you were a co-captain of the team, and, and, and tell me how you learned how to balance that. Um, it, was, it was difficult in the beginning years, and I, I really struggled, and I, I was never the best student, so it really took a lot of my time and energy and focus to uh, – you know, to get to get passing grades, and and you know the classes were hard, and it it's hard to explain unless you've experienced it as a student athlete. It is a full time job. You don't have time to do anything other than your sport and your schoolwork, and and it's it's a lot on a kid. You know, trying to figure out stuff, and it it's just a it's a full time job. That's the best way to put it. Do you? Uh, there was a famous quote by Stephen Richards that encourages us to challenge our limitations. He said, when you do what you fear most and you can do anything, did you have a fear growing up, playing football, going to the Seahawks? Was there something that stood out that you had to confront that, that you know, made you feel that you know, if you overcame it, you could do anything? And I do agree that once we overcome our fear, we, we gain this tremendous sense of power, which is really a kind of a form of discipline over ourselves. So I know I've encountered that in business and in other things that I've done. I'm, I'm curious, has that come across, have you come across um, that feeling? You know, the way I approach it and the way I look at it is fear is not an option. You know, I, I live day to day, and each day I'm doing things 110, 120% where I have no regrets. 
So each day I have no regret. So each day I'm getting better at whatever I'm doing. So, so the word fear is kind of foreign to me. Not saying I've never fear anything or anything like that, but in the aspect of football or, or, you know, my personal life, I don't, I don't think of fearing things because really at the end of the day, if something was to happen or whatnot, most of the time it's out of your control. So why think about it? Why waste your time? It, and my philosophy, you know, which was instilled by my dad, go 100 miles an hour and good things will happen. And uh, I've really bought into that, and, and I think it shows up through my play and through my, through my uh, personal life. Do you, are you, do you feel that most of the players, and I'm not just talking about the Seahawks, but you've obviously come across so many players in your first two years in the, in the game, do you feel that people really recognize your players, recognize that this is a privilege and not a right, and that they really understand that this can be come and go quickly and that they really take full advantage of it? Because one of the things I've dealt with in the 20 years I've been doing it is trying to get the mind right in, in an athlete to understand that this is a business, number one, which I, I think you totally understand, and secondly, that it really is something you have to work at every single day. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't think everybody thinks like that. Uh, you know, I, I know this could be taken away from me at any second. You know, I could get hurt tomorrow and never play another down of football. And, and that's okay because I, I know that. I know that could happen, and I'm not scared of it. And if it was to happen, it would be okay. But, you know, a lot of guys get caught up in the money and all this and that, and I think that's when people lose focus in it. And they don't play for the love of the game. And, and I love this game. I, I would play for free. And, uh, I just love the game this much, and I just enjoy playing it, and I know how blessed I am to be able to play it because there's not many people that do it. And so, I, like I said, I, I take full advantage of it every day. You know, we have <clears throat> from time to time when people uh, – this, this show is runs throughout over 230 malls across the country, so your picture is on over – I think it's close to 2,300 screens across the entire United States of America, and as I said, the show – so. We get a ton of emails and a ton of calls to ask questions. So for some time, every, every once in a while, we're, you know, we're asked if we can ask some questions. So I'm going to read you a question that comes okay. from Alex. And he said, uh, uh, you know, we get this a lot. He said that uh, when you're having a bad game, how do you react to it? And uh, how does it not negatively affect you? Um, I answered it, by the way. I answered it and told him you never have a bad game. <laughs> well, thank you. That's the compliment. You're welcome. But, <laughs> well, it took me a long time to, you know, kind of figure out my philosophies and my mentality. And in this sport, you have to have a short-term memory. And that's you, if you have a bad play, there's nothing you can do about it. You have to forget it, and you have to come back stronger the next play. And uh, you really, if you really buy into that and really instill in it, it, it really – pays off, but it's hard to do, you know, because, you know, you don't want to give up a sack. If you give up a sack, you're, oh, man, it kind of sticks with you, but at the same time, you have to tell yourself, okay, let it go. There's nothing you can do about that now. Next play, let's get better. Let's do this, you know, so it's a it's a mental thing. It's a mental thing and a mental progression that I, I've worked on for years, and I still haven't mastered it, but, uh, you know, I'm working at it whenever I can. Hopefully, I'm not in those situations, but <laughs> but but that's that's the way I approach it. The, uh, we have two more questions before our break, and, uh, and, and so let me read those to you. One comes from 
Toby from Columbus, and she said, uh, please ask JR if he has a girlfriend. I not only have a girlfriend, she's my fiance now. <laughs> she's, she's the love a- of my life, and uh, we are so happy together and ready to start our life together, and uh, she's awesome. You, you met her, Jimmy. She, she's cool. I, we get along great. You know, I have nothing but great things to say about her. <laughs> Well, to Toby, I'm sorry to tell you that I, I didn't answer that one because I'd let you answer it, but he does, in fact, have a, a, a number one fiance, and she's wonderful, and, and I had a great time when we were visiting together. But, Toby, keep listening to the show. Cause <laughs> you never know, but uh, that was an interesting question. Uh, the other question comes from Scott, and uh, he doesn't say where he's from, but he said, what is the single most important thing in your life? Uh, hands down my family and you know that that counts my fiance they are my my rock uh they my support system you know and if anything ever goes bad you know I, I still have them to lean on and they can lean on me and we're just we support each other through anything and we can get through anything because that's who we are well, you're an incredible inspiration. I'm going to tell you. I mean, it. 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 You truly are. Uh, your answer about not everybody getting it in the league is true, and 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 more people could learn from you. So, uh, when we come back after our break, um, we're going to talk about the simple question that we got. We got a number of these questions. Is did you? Ever, did Jr. Did you ever dream that you would be playing at the Super Bowl? So when we come back, it's time for us to take a commercial break. We're here with offensive guard from Seattle Seahawks, the champion Seattle. Seahawks, J.R. Sweezy. We're talking about his career and his life and his journey. This is Jimmy Gould, and you're listening to Current Life, brought to you by Green Mountain Coffee and Ads Baseball Network. Please stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. When I got my Keurig Brewer, I loved it so much I decided to name it. The right name had to fit my many sides, from the bold dark roast side to the soft herbal tea side. I landed on Freddy. Yeah, Freddy. It works for me. Who doesn't love their Keurig Brewer? It can brew the perfect cup of coffee, tea, and hot cocoa with just the touch of a button. All without a fuss and so little mess or cleanup. With over 250 varieties to choose from, it's no wonder people actually name their Keurig Brewers. Visit Keurig.com for more info. The stove, the refrigerator, all the pots and pans. The sink? Sure, take the kitchen sink too. Yeah, pretty much everything in the kitchen I could live without if I had to. Except, of course, my Keurig Brewer. Who doesn't love their Keurig Brewer? It can brew the perfect cup of coffee, tea, and hot cocoa with just the touch of a button. All without a fuss and so little mess or cleanup. With over 250 varieties to choose from, it's no wonder your Keurig Brewer is the favorite thing in your kitchen. Visit Keurig.com for more info. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to A Current Life with Jimmy Gould. 
If you have a question or comment for Jimmy or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd like to send an email, the address is a current life at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to A Current Life. This is Jimmy Gould, your host, with my very special guest, J.R. Sweezy of the Seattle Champion Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Well, J.R., before we took the break, Scott asked you the question, J.R., did you ever dream you would be playing at the Super Bowl? Uh, you know, it was always a dream, for sure. Always a dream, you know. Maybe sometimes I think, you know, it would ever happen. Once I got to the NFL, I, I knew there's always a chance, and uh, we just had an amazing year this year. and It was, it was incredible, the whole experience. It, it was just unbelievable. It's hard to put into words, you know. It, it was just an unbelievable experience. Well, you know, and, and, and obviously this is the largest, single largest mega event in the entire world. I mean, I don't know how many people are now they count on as watching it, but it's in the hundreds of millions. Uh, the dollars that are spent on it are in the billions. And all the eyes are on the field and all the eyes are on you. And it's not just the game. It's the weeks before. It's, it's two weeks before now, as you know. And, and, and what I want to do is kind of go through the journey because just preparing to be a spectator, I mean, as your agent, but just going there, I mean, it was an amazing thing. I've been there before, but my kids, this was the first time that they ever went to a Super Bowl. And that's because they wanted to see you play. And, yeah. and we were right there behind the bench. And, you know, it was just pandemonium and the, the halftime show and everything. So take us through, walk us through your feelings from when you got off the plane, which I was able to witness, and walking off at night to all of the people watching you and feeling like, wow. I mean, what was it like? Uh, you know, it, to be honest, it was a little bit stressful. <laughs> just uh, everything building up to it, you know, getting everything down, changing our surroundings. But really, at the end of the day, you know, I've told you this before, the way I approached it, and I believe our whole team approached it, is was it was just another game. And there was nothing special about it. You know, we knew what we were going to do, and uh, we prepared for every game like it was a championship game. You know, I played just as hard in that game as I did in the preseason. I did nothing extraordinary or anything out of character and I think that's why we had the outcome that we did because we bought into that philosophy and and uh you know really really bought into it but do you think that every single player I mean did look there's always different personalities on the team and and what makes a great coach to me are great players coming together and you know so how did how how do you think you know, let's talk about Pete or Tom as an example. Pete, Pete Carroll, who is a phenomenal head coach, and mm-hmm. Tom Cable, who's your offensive line coach. How did they help you and your teammates, especially the ones who maybe didn't look at it as an ordinary day, but, you know, and to handle it, you know, because obviously it's stressful. I mean, it's so stressful that, you you know, uh, it, 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 it can really, you know, put you in a different orbit. And how do you think the coaches – we're able to keep you guys level-headed for that game. Uh, you know, I think it really comes down to the way they talk to us. You know, they talk to us as as individuals, as people, not as players. You know, we're, they treat us as equals. And uh, you know, so them talking to us about you know what's going to happen and this and that, it really they just gave us a heads up. And uh, you know, we didn't change anything when we had practice in New York, and so it was really like we were still in Seattle. You know, obviously we weren't, but 
but the mentality and the and everything was the same. You know, we didn't change anything. Obviously, the media was in there, but it it was mentally we all prepared. I feel the same way is that it was just another game and that we were going to. It didn't matter who we played. We knew what we were going to do. We were ready to play. Uh, you know, the first week after after the uh, playoff last playoff game. You know, we were ready to go, and uh, I think it it showed that Sunday. Was there a, a, a particular moment that was the most memorable moment for you at the Super Bowl? As you look back on it now, um, you know, I, I think after the game, uh, you know, just everybody on the field having Giselle down there with me, you know, walking over to my family and telling them I love them, and it was just it was kind of surreal, you know, confetti all over the field. It it, it was really cool. What was Giselle's reaction to it? I mean, <laughs> she was she was crazy. She was she didn't know what to think. She was just kind of taking everything in, big eyed. It was, it was a really cool experience. You know, when I think back and and think about that day in the living room when when you got that phone call, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot about you know the intensity and the care and the love and uh, that your family, you know, has as, as a unit. I mean, you know, and I include Giselle and 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 all your relatives who I've met. You know, uh, it really is a, a, a unique thing. And and to watch you come out on that field in that Super Bowl made me very proud of you and and of your whole family and. Thank you. I mean that, and and you know, my sister was able to go to the parade. She lives in Seattle, and uh, I think I've told you before that she said it was the most unbelievable thing. I mean, that I think was, she gave she gave me some number of of I don't know hundreds of thousands of people that were there that she just said it was the most incredible thing she's ever witnessed. Yeah, they said there was almost a million people in the streets. Right. What what was that like when you all came through that? And then I want to come back and talk a little bit about more Super Bowl, but the parade itself and the. What you must have felt, uh, the pride you must have felt for your for your Yeah, for your that's team. when it actually hit me that, you know, we won the Super Bowl. Uh, I was kind of kind of in shock after the game. You know, it didn't really hit me. And, and that's when it really hit when we were out there and the crowd was going crazy. Just It was, uh, you know, three, four hours long, and everybody was screaming at the top of the lungs the entire time. It was, it was a really cool experience, you know, something I'll never forget. And that, like I said, that's when it really hit me. Like, wow, we're world champs. Well, wow. you know, uh, the, 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 whoever, well, first of all, the, 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 the 12th member of your team, the fan really yeah. did, does, I mean, it really holds true. Cause I don't think any of us could hear on the sidelines when everybody would yell, see, Hawk, you know, it was like, <laughs> it was unbelievable. I mean, there was one guy who was a friend of Doug Baldwin's who was sitting next to me and he was like, this guy was just, I mean, he couldn't even speak by the end of the game. I mean, you really <laughs> have built a following that is so unique in football that I don't think anybody will come close to it. I just, you know, and I've been to yeah. the game, so obviously I've seen it myself. But well, how do you explain that? We give a lot of credit to the 12s for, you know, things that happen in the game. And especially when we play at home, it, it's it's unreal there. You you can't hear yourself think. <laughs> My ears ring for two days after games. It's so loud. <laughs> it's it's We give them a lot of credit. You know, they – stand up the entire game and, and get into it and you know it elevates our play and elevates you know what what happens in the game and a lot of times it messes up the other team so it's pretty awesome to be a part of it and have a fan base like that how do you handle the press and especially during super bowl time when it's just 
the entire world is there from the press. How do you handle it? And was there any particular, you know, thing that sticks out for you about just the, the swarm of people around every word that was coming out of or being uttered out of somebody's mouth? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not a big uh, believer in the press. You know, I, I believe your actions on the field should should uh, stand out more than than what you have to say or or what you want to talk junk about or, or twist a story around. But but that's just my personal feelings on it. But it was kind of interesting to see. You know, it was like a zoo. That many people trying. It, was, it people were getting in fights trying to interview people. It was it was pretty crazy to watch, and uh, I never been a part or seen anything like that so it was definitely a new experience for me well i think the press actually because you approach it with your actions on the field has tremendous respect for you because i know in my conversations with them it's they find you a very rare and very unique person and that they just know you're all business and i think the team sees that and the press sees that your fans see that we all see that in you and it you come to work i mean you know you've obviously learned that work ethic from your family and from your dad and you know, you come to work, and, and, and that is a zone that keeps you grounded, and, and you are grounded. I mean, you're just a down-to-earth, grounded guy, and, and, and I think that is so rare in this game of billions and billions of dollars. I mean, you know, for me, we've always talked about that it's a business. We always are going to have, whether it's whatever time it's going to come up for another contract or stuff like that, it is a business, and and. Sometimes it's hard because, you know, you want to continue to feel the camaraderie, but with free agency and other things like that, it's always an issue that comes up. How do you feel, from the other side, the flip side, what do you think is the most common misconception that people have about NFL players? Um, yeah, there's a couple of them. A lot of people don't, don't really... Uh, know how much of the of a mental game it is and uh, how much we're in the classroom every day actually learning through film and and other other ways but you know a lot of our day is spent inside in a film room and people people don't really get that part of it until they get an inside track on it you know so so that's one thing for sure and uh for me personally you know it's kind of tough balancing my personal life and my career you know because my career tends to overwhelm everything else and i, I kind of have to make time for my personal life or else i get get too too uh you know bound up and so it's kind of hard to balance it out and i i'm still learning you know that that was my second season so i'm getting better every year so it, it's a progression and i know it's going to take time but i'm getting better at it would you say that uh speed of the game uh as it's unfolding on the field it, it's probably a two-part question. Is the biggest difference between college and 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 the pros um, probably something I would say to my kid is that you know the speed between high school and college is going to be dramatic, you know. So you got to be quick and you can't hesitate. And you know there was a great automobile racing driver, Emerson Fittipaldi, who said uh, you have to visualize a second or two ahead of your car what line you're taking, what you are going to do before you get there because it comes so fast. Do you visualize your steps when playing football? Oh yeah, uh, you know I, I do. But at the snap of the ball, you know it's kind of it's kind of craziness, and you know people are going different ways. And just like you said, you don't have time to think. You just have to react and and be physical and tough and execute your job. And uh, everybody's moving at a higher speed, and everything's happening a lot faster than any level 
under it. So it's it's definitely a big jump. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely believe in that philosophy. You know, you have to visualize things. But I think it would apply more to him as a race car driver than as a football player. Because when that ball snaps, it's 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 uh, it's confusion sometimes. Just mass confusion. Sure. Everybody's going everywhere, and you you have to know it well enough where it's not confusion and you don't have to think because you react because you know what's going to happen and that's where the film study comes in yeah i was going to say the film study is able you're able to kind of i mean it seemed like that during i mean from my viewpoint and i've been in the sport a long time but from my viewpoint it kind of looked like every time peyton went back to pass that your secondary knew exactly where the ball was going to go yeah I mean, I've read a lot about that, so it's kind of like you guys figured it out because it, it, you know, I have a great deal of respect for Peyton, but but you know, you guys, oh yeah, as do I. You, you guys, you guys owned him in that game, and no two ways. He would tell you that, and and it was pretty amazing, and 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 you know, a lot's been written about your defense and everything else like that, but you know, I'm curious as an offensive guard, what's it like playing in front of Russell, and who's not your prototypical quarterback? What's your and I think he it fits perfectly the way you play and the way he plays together because you're both so quick, you know. Yeah, well, we're not your prototypical offensive line, so right. it kind of works out. Uh, we have a different style of playing, and we know he's going to make plays. And as long as we keep people off of him and keep him keep him from getting hit, you know, he's going to make those plays. So that's the way we approach it. How do you keep your discipline? How do you in the off season? You know, you play so hard all year long. You want to break. You take a break. You take a little trip. You know, you, 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 you try to live uh, as normal uh, an off season as you can. And then almost automatically, you're right back in training and getting ready for the next year. I mean, clearly, it's become a year-round sport, which, which, as you know, is one of the big things we've talked about. Why you got to stay in shape year-round and work out year-round. How do you prepare yourself for that? Number one, which is a mental part as much as physical, and secondly, you know, how do you Balance that again, going back to where you are today versus where you were when you were in school, balancing your schoolwork and, and your football. Yeah, well, actually, I really enjoy working out. Uh, I really, really enjoy it. You know, it's kind of like my my happy place, if you will. And mm-hmm. so I, I look forward to to working out every day, to pushing my body to the limits, just to see see my body change and transform, and and to see what I can do, see how I can get better, and so. So that aspect, I really enjoy getting back into it, you know. And, of course, you have to take a break. You have to shut it down for a little bit just because your body can't handle it. But when it's time to turn it back on, you know, I really look forward to to working out and getting back in shape. And uh, what's the second part of that, Jimmy? Yeah, the, you know, more about the balance then with your personal life. And because and the off, you know, you win the Super Bowl, you come back to a parade, and you've been in the biggest mega event of all time. You know, millions of people have, have witnessed, hundreds of millions of people have witnessed this, and now it's kind of like, okay, it's over, you've, you've gotten your ranking, you know, you've got the trophy, and now you guys are going to go take a, a vacation. How do you unwind? What, how do you go about that process of turning it off and then having to turn it back on maybe a month or two later? Yeah, well, the turning off part's easy. You just go lay on a beach all day. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> the turning on part can be a little bit difficult sometimes, just to because it's, it's changing. You got to change everything. You know, change your diet, uh, change your sleep schedule, change your workout schedule. It's uh, and then get on a regimen and stay on it. And that's the biggest key is you know once you get in it, staying on it. And it's just it's just uh, 
it's, you know, having Giselle in my life and, and us trying to figure out, you know, how we're going to do this each year, she's been a huge help, and it's always, you know, good to have somebody with you through this because it, it is tough mentally and physically, and uh, she, she gets it. So it's, it's nice to have somebody get in a routine with me and, uh, you know, and we like doing it and we, we have fun. And, but she knows uh, when the season hits again, you know, the mentality changes once again. And uh, it's a different mindset from there on out, from camp to the end of the season. And, uh, unfortunately, that's the way it has to be. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong, we, we still have fun in season and still have a good time. But it's, uh, it's a regiment that we stay in, and I feel like it works good for me. So that's, that's what we do. Well, you have a special relationship, and she is remarkable. And how did you and Giselle meet? Uh, we actually went to high school together. We uh, went to prom together, senior prom. And wow. uh, dated for a little bit in high school. And when we went to college, we kind of went our separate ways. And we'd see each other every now and then and say hello, but, you know, nothing more than that. And then a year, year and a half ago now, we uh, reconnected. And, you know, that's all she wrote. I knew as soon as did she you have to go life, fight the, that was did it. Did you fight to get her back? What's that? Did you have to go fight to get her back? Uh, yeah, we both fought to get back <laughs> to each other. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, but, I knew that. But I knew as bad. soon as, as we got back together, you know, that's a wrap. She's the one. Just, right. uh, you know, how special she is and the way she makes me feel. It's, it's something unexplainable. Uh, you're very you're very lucky and very fortunate, and, and the two of you have a great relationship that is a partnership and a friendship above all else, and Mm-hmm. We could talk for we could talk for a long time about relationships, and uh, oh, yeah. it's hard, you know, it's hard. But if people trust each other and they like each other, then I think they help each other grow, and I think that's what you guys have. Um, you know, I'm clear. I'm curious about something. Do you have high expectations for yourself and for the things that you get involved in every day? Uh, you know, if if you know, Sam Walton said high expectations are the key to everything. How would you answer that question? Uh, you know, like I said before, I live, you know, day to day, and I try to do everything 110, 120% every day. So I, I believe that is holding high expectations. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would say I definitely believe in that, and uh, that's how I really approach every day is setting high expectations for myself and trying to beat them and pushing myself to my limits. How much do you think luck plays a role in your in the ultimate outcome versus hard work and destiny? That's a uh, question we know, got. Luck, I mean, some people are lucky. Don't get me wrong, sometimes lucky things happen, but, you know, at the end of the day, hard work's going to pay off. And uh, I do believe in destiny. I do believe God has a purpose for everybody. And uh, so, you know, through the hard work and finding your destiny, you know, it's a good combo if, if you can stick to it. The, um, as you kind of went through the Super Bowl thing, it, do you think that it will be hard to, and I'm, I'm trying to think, I guess it's happened once, but I can't remember. Has a team ever repeated back-to-back New England did? Or oh, yeah, uh, the Patriots won it two or three years in a row. Right. A few years back. I think they I'm won sure. it two years and then lost else. and then won again. Uh do you think that's uh, uh, how will that affect you all coming into camp and preparing for this season? Because obviously everybody's going to be out for you. I mean, you, you know, you, 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 you I don't think you lost. You lost for only one game at home, correct? Uh, yeah, just one at home. 
Yeah. I think that was the to Arizona, the, fro- Arizona, the Frosty yeah, team, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know he, he talks about that all the time, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, um, of course, I told him he went to Super Bowl, so that shuts, uh, shuts him up for the moment. The, uh, <laughs> the, um, how do you think you'll all prepare for that so that you come down to earth and you don't have that weighing you down? Well, I think, uh, so we obviously know how to do it. And I think if everybody stays grounded and everybody comes back with the same mentality that we started last year with, you know, the possibilities are endless. You know, I'm not going to say we're going to win another one because, you know, this league is, uh, you don't know who's going to win each game. That's how good everybody is. And that's, that's the truth of the matter. But, you know, we know how to do it. I don't see why we couldn't do it again. Uh, not not as in winning the Super Bowl, but just our philosophy and our the way we the style we played with and and just recreating that. I, I don't think that's going to be that hard. And uh, I think a lot of the guys, you know, we met after the Super Bowl and everything. You know, we're we're ready to get back after it. You know, ready to defend our title or whatnot. So I, I'm excited to get back back up there and get started again and, and see how how everybody's morale is. Have you had what we call a wow moment? professionally or personally where the lights just kind of all went on and it was kind of like, wow, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like living a dream. I'm doing what I want. I'm doing, you know, I feel this perfect balance in my life. I mean, you know, I, it's happened to me once or twice in my life, usually when I least expect it. Has that happened to you when you just go, wow? Yeah. And a lot of the time it's, it's when I'm by myself and just kind of, you know, daydreaming if whatnot and you know it's just kind of like wow I'm, I'm so blessed in so many ways and it's just incredible to think I'm here from a small little town in Mooresville North Carolina it it's it's hard to put in words but yeah I, I have I've had that feeling a few times also it, it's it's rare and because uh, I really I tend not to try to think that way I just kind of live in the moment and and like I said before so it's uh but yes it has happened and it was a cool experience well, what does, as you look at it, because you talk about God and destiny and about the purpose, how does faith, or what does faith mean to you? Um, well, to me, you know, I am a Christian, and I, uh, hold on, I had this in my notes, I'm sorry, okay. Uh, I am a Christian, you know, and I, I pray every day, you know, and I know I couldn't be where I am today without, you know, his blessing. And I know that he's blessed me with these tools and these abilities uh, to use them and to use them to the best of their ability. And and I think that plays into my philosophy of, of how I live and how I train and, and how I approach things. And really, at the end of the day, you know, I thank him every day for, for what he, he's given me. And I know I couldn't do the things that I do without him. Yeah, that, that's how I view it. I actually view it as the most important thing in my life. I mean, I, you know, I would I would say that you know, uh, great blessings have been given to us, and sometimes not in our time. We we don't, you know, you wonder when you go through tough times. You know, well, why am I going through that? You probably, you know, it's, it's painful, right? But if you get through it, and then you can look back on it. And I, I agree with you. I'm I'm the same way. When I get alone and I'm kind of away from it. That's when I'm really thankful for the things that I've achieved or where I am or, or the things I've done to help other people really matters to me. And, and, and when you're going through it, you don't always have the time. And so sometimes you have to stop yourself and kind of pinch yourself and say, wow, you know, it's like 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy or I'm really feeling like there's a lot ahead of me that I still want to achieve, but, you know, it's kind of coming together. Is that kind of yeah. what happens with yeah. you? Exactly, exactly. What what are some of your interests outside of football and out of outside of work? And and if I were to ask you, what would a day off be like for you and Giselle, or even just for yourself? What would you say? Uh, well, like I said before, you know, I actually enjoy working out, so so I don't really count that as work. I, I enjoy doing it, but uh, you know, other than that aspect, I you know I like to fish. I like to you know lay out on the beach. You know, I, I'm a normal guy when it comes to stuff like that. You know, play with my dog. It's it's just normal things, you know, and, and just have a good time, really. What would you say if I asked you, and um, we've had, we've been doing this show now for almost two years, and we've had Bob Costas and Chris Collinsworth and very many people, you know, uh, authors and politicians and owners of teams and stuff, and I always get interesting answers when I ask them, if you could pick two people to have dinner with, whether they're alive or not alive, who would it be? Uh, two people? Well, you know, two different. Well, two I, I got one for sure. Uh, Ray Lewis. You know, I, I really mm. uh, grew up and, and watched Ray Lewis a lot. And just, just the way he played the game and the way he talked about it and just his philosophies really, really kind of stuck with me in a way. And I actually did meet him this year before a game. He was... Uh, Broadcasting a game, and I went and introduced myself, and that was that was really the first time I've ever been a little starstruck. <laughs> but if I had time to sit down with him and just talk about the way he he approaches things or, or used to approach things, and I think it'd be really cool. You know, he was the baddest dude in the NFL for ten plus years. That's hard to do. So it, it, I really look up to him for a lot of reasons. Yeah, he had an incredible intensity to him. You could just see it. I mean, you know, yeah. you would watch it and feel it, and everybody that's met him and spent time with him says the same thing. I mean, they're, uh, I can see how that would be an answer. Is there anything else that comes to mind outside of football? Uh, not necessarily, really. I mean, not off the top of my head, at least, so so no. <laughs> okay. Well, the uh, I'm sure you'll have plenty of time to, to spend that time with Ray as your career's building. Yeah, and I hope so. You know the. Um, do you plan on having children? Yeah, um, no time soon. But you know, eventually, I'd like to be a father one day. I think that'd be a really cool experience. Well, I think you would be great at it. And and uh, as we're getting close to the end here, I I do want to ask you as you look back on your journey, and it's been a wonderful experience to share this with you and this time with you and, and to be your agent and to be involved in your life is a great honor and I thank you for that thank you. privilege. Thank you. Um, what would you say is the meaning of life or the greater purpose of life? Um, you know, I really just stick to my, my basic philosophies that, you know, to work hard and to have fun uh, because you really only have one life to live and to live with no regrets and and make every day a great day, and live stress-free, stress and, and really have a good time, but also work hard when the time's right, and, and uh, you know, go for your goals, go for your dreams, and, and you know, see what happens. Well, you're an amazing young man. Uh, I say young man because I'm, I'm a lot older, but I will <laughs> tell you that your passion and your hard work and your ethic and your character and your integrity are I mean, that's what the league needs more and more of. You're a remarkable person. Your family's terrific. You you approach this in a in a business like way and also in a 
in a passionate way, and you do the work that's required. So, you know, I have great, well, thank you. great, great uh, respect for you, and I mean that, and I hope I you... I appreciate it. That means a lot to me. Well, I, I hope you continue to build on that, and you and Giselle have a wonderful life together, and your parents have done such a great job. I, I want to thank you on behalf of all of our listeners around the 180 countries for J.R. Sweezy sharing his journey with us. It's certainly an inspiration. I want to thank our listeners for tuning into A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel and our sponsors, Green Mountain Coffee and Ad Space Ball Network. This is your host, Jimmy Gould, and please join us next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern for our next episode. And until next time, I wish each and every one of you a journey filled with hope, inspiration, and success. And JR to you, much love, much success, continued success, and I'm really proud of you, and thank you for making the time to share your journey with us. Thank you, and I appreciate it. All the best. Please give Giselle a hug for me and say hi to her. (laughs) Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks again for joining us for A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please tune in to another great program with your host, Jimmy Gould, next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time. We'll see you next week. The stove, the refrigerator, all the pots and pans. The sink? Sure, take the kitchen sink, too. Yeah, pretty much everything in the kitchen I could live without if I had to. Except, of course, my Keurig Brewer. Who doesn't love their Keurig Brewer? It can brew the perfect cup of coffee, tea, and hot cocoa with just the touch of a button. All without a fuss and so little mess or cleanup. With over 250 varieties to choose from, it's no wonder your Keurig Brewer is the favorite thing in your kitchen. Visit Keurig.com for more info.